this is Nick. You're listening to the Inspired Human Podcast. Hello, friends. This is Darius Barnes. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inspired Human Podcast. Hey, Christmas is almost here. We're inside of two weeks, right? The countdown is getting so much closer to being done. All of our waiting and our wanting and our hoping for this season is, is almost done. And, and, and beyond, beyond Christmas lies New Year's. And, and with New Year's, I think, I feel, I see a society, our society, myself included, hoping and, and wanting 2021 to bring a change, to bring something different than what 2020 has shown us. Everywhere I look, I see signs of a, of a culture worn out and weary of 2020. With, with, with the pandemic and the quarantines and the isolations and the lockdowns into racial tensions and issues and, and then political unrest all over the country, followed by a very divisive and, and polarizing election, 2020 has been a lot. And I, I, I don't think I'm alone when I say that I, I am hoping and, and, and wanting and, and waiting for 2020 to be over, to see what's new in 2021. And often I find that, that this, this waiting and wanting and hoping causes some, some stress or some anxiety because no matter what I do, whatever new COVID hobbies I've picked up or, or COVID changes I've made because I can't live life the way I've used to for the last 33 years, 34 years, I still find that I can't turn the clock faster, right? There's no fast forward button on life. So no matter if I, if I start a new podcast or if I, if I pick up a new hobby or if I lose weight or gain this level of fitness or strength or, or start a new degree, nothing will make the 24 hours of a day go faster, or the seven days of a week, or the 30 days of a month, or the 12 months of a year, time marches on. And often I'm, I'm stuck, we are stuck, having to deal with all of it at the same pace. And it feels like a snail's pace. When we're quarantined, when we're isolated, when we're deployed, when, when, when we have family members deployed, when we're separate from family or friends, when there's uncertainty, time just seems to creep and that makes our waiting and our wanting and our hoping even more powerful, even more stressful. And often, sadly, we as humans, are, are really talented at making up all the wrong things to do with the stress created by the waiting and the wanting and the hoping for something new. So all these vices and, and, and strange fantasies and, and, and misuse of the good things of this world come into play. And even, even good things we, we, we try to create 
They, they could become great things. They could become the axis around which our life revolves. And then, and then we realize that it's still just because I've, I've, I've shaved so many minutes off of my mile time or I've lost so many inches on my waist or I've memorized so many new words or I learned a new language, I'm still stuck in the time and the place that gave me all this extra energy to pick up that new habit or that meet that new goal. And before I know it, I'm, I'm stuck looking for something new to go after and to grab. And then it comes and it dawns on me that I'm still wanting and still waiting and still hoping. So what do we do with our waiting, our wanting, and our hoping? I have good news for you, friends. There is something. There is something powerful that we could do that satisfies our deepest waiting and our deepest wanting and, and our most powerful hopes. And that's the story of God. Now, I may, I may, I may have just thrown you off there in two ways. One, I, I, I mentioned God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. It's the way in which I, I look at and view and engage and process my life and the whole world around me. But two, I talked about the story of God. And that, that, that may have thrown some of you off. It, it, it did me when I, when I first heard someone talk about God's story. Because you see, I was, I was raised understanding God as, as this, this great persona that loved me and had a wonderful plan for me. And, and that's not wrong. God does love me. God, God does love you. And, and he has a plan. But that's, that's, that's not the story. That can't, and it hasn't, at least in my life, filled and, and met all my waiting and wanting and, and hoping. I've, I've also heard that, that God is all about justification by faith. That there's this thing called grace that... that that brings us fulfillment in life and not our own works. And yes, that's, that's very true. But that's not the powerful story that can do something with our waiting and our wanting and our hoping. We, we may even have heard about God's, God's, God's Word, God's Bible, as, as being a, a book of theology, almost like an academic exercise to be thought about and engaged with, with our intellects and our logic and our reason. And that, that, that's good. That it, it, it should be studied. But, but that won't dispel our waiting and our wanting and, and our hoping. Or, or maybe you've even considered Christianity in particular or, or religion in general as a, a, just a set of rules, a, a, a legalistic framework and, and yes, that, that, that's true. Every relationship has to have some kind of rules and boundaries set on it or so it'll just be pure anarchy and it'll, it'll, it'll fall apart. But that's not the story. The, the, the law system won't satisfy our waiting, our wanting, and our hoping. So what is this story? Have you heard it? Well, let me tell you. Right? When, I, when I read the Bible, when I read God's Word, I see a grand narrative, a, a unified story that is filled to the brim with people and cultures and places 
overflowing with waiting and wanting and hoping. Because you see, in, in the very beginning of this story, when, when God organized the cosmos in, in, into its, its functioning state where he, he defeated and conquered the forces of chaos and brought order and beauty out of it, he placed it and he framed it in such a way that the whole cosmos, the world, and everything within it would work its best with him at the center, with him at the head, and humanity taking second seat, second place, second in command almost to God's great creation. And then there was a line, a direct line from God through humans to the whole cosmos. And that God's love and grace and justice and mercy would flow and his beauty would, would, would be uninterrupted and uninhibited as it spread across the whole of the world. You see, God gave humans a great responsibility. That was to be his second in command. And with that responsibility, with that power, with that freedom, he gave them just like a left and a right boundary, a left and right limit, and said, go forth and do great things. Be unto the world like I am to you. And sadly, with that, we gave up that power. Humanity decided not to live underneath the loving rulership of God, but to step out of step out of line, kind of, kind of put themselves out of joint and try to do it themselves. And, and between a human, that human rebellion and, a, and, a, and a, a, a divine rebellion, the whole cosmos was put out of joint. You see, I've, I've broken bones, I've dislocated joints, and when it's out of joint, it doesn't work properly. It may work to, to a certain extent, but when it's out of joint, Nothing flows correctly. It's having a kink in a hose. You might get a little trickle of water, but you won't get the full, robust stream. See, there was a kink tied into the creation. It was placed out of joint by the divine and the human rebellions, and, and, and it, was, it was plunged into darkness. Powers that were meant to be subdued became rulers Things that were supposed to be under humans became above us. And we see this still today. We talk about great powers like the power of the economy or, or, or political powers or the power of money or the power of lust. These things, these great monstrous entities that we all know are very real but we can't see but they move and they push society you see those things were meant to be subjects to us and us to God and it was all going to work but rebellion put that out of order put it out of joint and ever since that moment all of creation has been groaning and waiting and wanting and hoping for it to be put to rights again, to be put back in its proper place, to be put back in joint, to have the kinks pulled out so that God's love and grace and justice and mercy and beauty 
and joy and peace could flow uninhibited from him through humans and into all the rest of the world. And thanks be to God, he didn't give up after the rebellions. He didn't scrap the project and throw it in the cosmic waste baskets. He didn't make a plan B. Praise God, there wasn't a plan B. There's only plan A. And so he relaunched his project through one human family to establish a foothold back into his creation so that his love and grace and joy and peace and mercy can fulfill all the hoping and the waiting and the wanting of his creation and it can all be right again. You see, through this, this one couple, Abraham and Sarah and their, their child Isaac and, and their great grandkids, uh, uh, Jacob, and, then, and then, then his 12 sons, God started to form a people through whom his goodness could flow and that creation could be called back into its proper order again. You see, these people were to be his people and he was to be their God and they were to be a light on a hill. They were to be the salt of the earth, to give it flavor, to, to wake up, wake up the, 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 the dying and the death and the decay, to shine light into the darkness, to show all of the cosmos what the good life is really about when God and humans live in proper relationship, when, when they are in joint, when, when there's no kinks between them. See, the people of Israel were to be the beacon, to be the highlight, to be the preview of what it's like when God and humans and creation exist in harmony. And sometimes Israel did well. Part of the story is, is joyful. Sometimes there were, there, there were kings and there were prophets and there were, there, were, there were people in that story who lived very well. They, 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 they lived toward God and for others. And, and it worked. God's justice and love and peace and mercy flowed through them and made everything around them better. It just flooded the area around them with goodness, the goodness of God. But sadly, there's also a part of God's story and our story where rebellion is part of our DNA. And eventually, over a course of over a thousand years of God's patient working with this people, their rebellion became way too great. And part of God's story is that love has boundaries. Even God's love. You see, God couldn't retain the title love if he didn't have justice, if he didn't have boundaries. If there wasn't consequences for rebellion, then there could be no good in the world. And because of the re re continued and repeated rebellion of God's people, exile came. Darkness flowed back into God's people and, and the light was extinguished. The salt was scattered. They lost their taste and their flavor. The goodness of God, the kink was put back into the relationship. They stayed out of joint and even got even more out of joint. And it seemed that all the waiting and the wanting and the hoping of the world was put on hold again because God's people had failed. They had chosen to be out of joint 
so many times that they didn't even know how to get back into their proper place again. And it seemed like darkness was going to reign. It seemed like the hoping and the waiting and the wanting of the world would never, ever end until one day in Palestine, a baby was born. And see, this is where God's story takes a dramatic turn in the back corners of the greatest and darkest and most ruthless empire the world had ever known up to that point, Rome, in, in the back corners of Palestine in some far-flung far country, a baby was born. You see, you see, God's prophets had told his people that even though the rebellion would send them into exile, God would come in the flesh and do for them what they had failed to do. And that, 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 that longing and that waiting and that wanting and that hoping was said to be fulfilled in a baby. A baby born in Bethlehem to a virgin. And that's where God's story launches into its climax, its greatest and most amazing chapter. Because that baby was Jesus of Nazareth. And as he grew and as he, as he, he, he lived, he walked about Palestine, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, making the deaf hear, making the mute talk, healing diseases, raising the dead, speaking truth to power, loving the unlovable. You see, this is what it's like when a man lives in perfect relationship with God. When, when, when he is in joint, when he is in sync, when he is in a right relationship with God, God's goodness flows through him. And it's not just good feelings, friends. It's real it's real change. It's the dead being raised. It's the sick being healed. It's the blind being given sight. It's the hungry being fed. The thirsty given drink. The naked being clothed. The captives set free. And that's what Jesus did. He lived the way that Israel should have but failed to do. And it cost him his life. Because you see, the powers of the world, both the ones we know and we see, but the ones that, that I mentioned earlier, it seems like those giant cosmic dark forces that move the empires and the, and the cultures of this world, they don't like to be challenged. They don't like it when God's goodness flows through humanity and spreads across the world because it means that their power, the power of death, the power of sin is being challenged. And so they used their power to kill him. And it seemed that the waiting and the wanting and the hoping of the world, though it had a brief reprieve in Jesus and it, it was being fulfilled and met by the acts of Jesus, it, it seemed like abruptly on the cross, it was thrown all away again. Just like in the exile, the waiting and the wanting and the hoping of the world was put on hold one more time. But three days later, three days later, all the hopes and the fears of all the years turned their corner permanently because Jesus came out of the tomb, never to be touched by death again. 
You see, the dark powers and the rulers of this world did their absolute worst to Jesus to extinguish the light that he was shining, to put a permanent kink in the relationship between God and his world, to forever put out of joint the goodness of God, was irrevocably beaten by the resurrection of Jesus. You see, people, that is the story of God. The story that meets all of our hopes and our waiting and our wanting. Because now today, we can live, we can, we can move, we can have our being in that very same life that Jesus was resurrected into. The very same life that Jesus is living today, we can be put back into joint. We can be put back into line. We can be made right, a, a good and healthy relationship with God so that his goodness flows through us and out into the world. And that's actually what humanity is called to do back in the beginning, to be the conduit through which God's goodness and love and mercy and justice and grace and peace and patience and joy flows through all of creation. We could do that now. Maybe not completely. Maybe not in its fullest sense. But when we live in line, in joint with God, his goodness flows. It floods the world around us. And it brings healing. Not just feel-good emotions, not just, not just things that make us smile, but actual, real justice, actual, real healing. And even when we're confronted, even when we're challenged by the powers of the world that are in their death throes fighting for their very life, we can, we can continue because we're promised that though our hoping and our waiting and our wanting has been partially met by God's story and God's act in Jesus, it will be fully and completely resolved when he returns to finish what he started in the empty tomb. And friends, that is what Advent, the four weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas is all about. It's about remembering how God came in the baby Jesus to meet the waiting and the wanting and the hoping of the world and what he did and the cross and the resurrection but it's also about looking forward to when all of our waiting and our wanting and our hoping, every tear and fear we've ever had and as ever, ever wrong has been perpetrated in the world will be summed up and, and, and justified and finished once and for all when he returns. You see, Advent and Christmas is about remembering and looking forward. 
It's about having our waiting and our wanting and our hoping met in part right now because our story of waiting and wanting and hoping is pulled up into God's story and not dismissed, not not destroyed, not squashed or scattered, but made sense of and given purpose. You see, our wanting and our waiting and our hoping is, is, is a part of God's story of answering the waiting and the wanting and the hoping of the world in and through his son Jesus and his people. So friends, as you wait and want and hope for Christmas and for the new year, I encourage you to see your story, your waiting and your wanting and your hoping as part of God's story. To surrender your story and, and to surrender the, the overwhelming and crushing pressure of trying to, to, to meet the desires of your hoping and your waiting and your wanting on your own and to give that to God and see him make something beautiful out of it as you remember what he has done and as you live forward into his second coming when every tear will be wiped and wrong made right and all the hope and the wants and the fears and, and the desires and the waiting of the world will be satisfied forever. Friends, I hope you have a wonderful Advent and a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May the joy of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen.